In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. Talking today mostly to you wannabes, you business wannabes, and we say that with all due affection, we have all been there, but wanted to talk today about five misconceptions that people have about starting a public health practice. Yes. So a lot of you guys I know that are thinking about it and you get all up in your head about all of these things that are either delaying you or in some cases, some misconceptions can lead you down the wrong path when you start your business. Yeah. Some of these are positive misconceptions. Some of them are negative. Some of them are a little bit of a double-edged sword. So let's dive in, Nicole, and go through these. I think misconception number one is that it's really hard to start a business. Right. And so this stops a lot of you guys from doing it or creates months and months and months and months of thinking about it without any action. The reality is, is that it's starting a public health practice is way more simple than you might think it is. It's actually shockingly simple. You could be doing this tomorrow, literally, right? It's a couple of little things. You don't have to have an LLC or a corporation or anything else. You could be taking somebody's money for helping them tomorrow. Now, there's a lot of steps after that, right? So the actual startup is easier than you think. The logistics are easier than you think. Running a business is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. <laughs> right. right. That's, that's the double-edged sword comes in. That's the other thing. It's like starting a podcast. Starting a podcast is easy. Continuing a podcast is really hard. Same thing with a business, right? Starting a business, saying that you are running a business is really easy to do. In fact, it's never been easier in the history of the world. We live in this unique time with more resources for business owners than there have ever been. So starting is way easier than you might think. Doing it well, being profitable, making the business work for you, that's where all of the hard and the challenges come in. And that's where we always talk about how a business is going to find every weak point or flaw or anything in your nature that is a challenge and it's going to reveal it. And amplify it actually times a thousand. Right. (laughs) So, okay. So, right. So just don't let your brain continue to go down these roads of, oh my gosh, it's so hard. Well, if they're doing it and I'm not like them, so I can't do that. That's not true. And it's starting a business is way more simple than you think, but you do have to be a little bit realistic in knowing that it is one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Number two, you have to take insurance. This is an interesting one. I mean, first of all, I think you don't have to do anything. That's the whole point of starting a business. You don't have to work on weekends. You don't have to work on Saturdays. You don't have to take cash. You don't have to do hybrid. You don't have to do anything. 
But I think this is a big one, Nicole, where we see that people feel like, oh, I could never do this in my area. Right. Or you get Uncle Joe in your mind where it's like, oh, heaven forbid you start something that's a little bit out of the box thinking or, you know, it's like, oh, they say, how dare you not take insurance? Everybody deserves PT. Or you guys get in your own head about that if you start your own practice, then you have to take insurance because you have to be accessible to every single person. We have actually another podcast on that, but you do not have to do anything. You definitely don't have to take insurance to be successful. And this is crazy too, right? This is regardless of where you are. We come up with all kinds of things. Well, people in my town would never pay that. We're, you know, I'm in a super rural area. I live in a lower socioeconomic area. That could never happen. You can do it without taking insurance. It's just all about where you set your price. We literally have seen this. We've worked with 200 plus public health businesses, almost all exclusively cash in every corner of the United States and into Canada. Like this is entirely possible where you are. So you don't have to take insurance. We are always big proponents of just understand what your options are and begin with the end in mind. And one of the things that we also see a lot of is people really regretting the fact that they had a knee-jerk reaction of, I'm going to have to take insurance. I'm going to have to get credentialed with this insurance company. They spend months doing it. They spend months more waiting for the money to come in. They start realizing that they're doing well with the cash side of their business, and then they're spending months trying to get out of their insurance contract. Well, and that's another thing where it's like, if you decide that this is like the only way you're going to do your business is if you take insurance, then you better do a ton of research because the biggest, one of the biggest problems that we see with people that are like what Jesse just said, having a problem getting out of it, once they see that they can actually be profitable and with on the cash side is that they didn't have to do it in the first place anyways. Like it's something that you think that you have to do, but then you realize you don't know anything about, you haven't actually done any research on what taking insurance actually means not only is your bottom line not controlled by you, right? You are letting a third party dictate your worth when you do that. But it's also a lot of unforeseen costs in accepting insurance. A lot of times you have to have a biller, then you have to like, you know, there's just a bunch of things that you have to do to make sure that it's profitable. That you're not seeing when you're working at a big hospital place. And when your reimbursement rates, frankly, might be a lot lower than the place that you had been working, And you're not seeing all of the hidden costs that that business is doing or all of the negotiating that that business was able to do in order to get a better rate than you are going to be getting as a solo person seeing 30 people a week max. So that was number two. You don't have to take insurance. Number three misconception, you don't need a loan. A bunch of startup money or expensive lawyers, consultants, Facebook advertising, web designers, any of that stuff to start your business. And this is where we see a lot of people get taken advantage of. Totally. So, you know, again, that kind of goes back to number one. It's way more simple than you think it is to start. And it also doesn't have to be perfect at the beginning. Our first website sucked, like, but it did the job and it was fine for what stage of business that we were in. You definitely do not need a ton of lawyer help at the beginning if you need it at all. And this is where... People can get taken to the cleaners on $5,000 here, $5,000 for a website. We've seen people charge 10 freaking thousand dollars for website management. That is robbery. That is the most unethical thing I've ever heard of. It's ridiculous. And then taking advantage of the fact that people don't understand 
what they're looking at are all these big words that nobody gets. Search engine optimization. We're going to charge you $10,000 and then a monthly fee to keep search engine optimizing your site. Uh, okay, it's fine. Not even a thing. No, guys. So you don't need a load. And this is you know perpetuated by PT schools, right? If you ever did a project in PT school, we've heard about this all the time where it's like the first thing you have to do is create a 17-page business plan and go to the Small Business Administration so you can get a $200,000 loan so you can do all that. You don't have to do that. Now, you do if you want to run a huge ortho clinic and take insurance because you have to have all of the startup money to do all of that. And you're not going to get paid by that insurance company for two to three months. So yeah, you better have a little bit of a buffer. But one of the great things about pelvic health is what do you really need in order to see patients? You need gloves and some lube and a closed door. <laughs> yeah, a door that closes and a table. Am I missing it? A table would be nice. I guess you, I mean, whatever. <laughs> people do it in mobile. They just go to people's houses, right? And do it on true. people's couches. I mean, y'all need a table, okay? You need a table, right? $250 on Amazon. So you do not need all of this. Now, one of the things that we teach in our business planning course is talking about your runway, where you do want to be thinking about the financial implications. What happens if you are not profitable for the first two or three months, for the first shouldn't be much more than that, to be frank. But it's a really great business model where you can bootstrap your way into it. You don't need a ton of startup money in order to do this. See, and this is where it also goes back to number one, right? We think it's so difficult because we think we have this misconception that we need all of this stuff. Well, sure, some of the stuff would be nice. I mean, the, the some of the equipment and things that we have at Pelvic Sanity now are way different than when we started. I started out with a massage table with very little decor things from Ikea, like to hold my stuff, you know, those six bin cube things. Everyone's seen those things, right? It's what you had in college at your dorm room. That's how pelvic sanity started. Now we have a freaking seven to 10 room clinic with, you know, we had an interior designer come in and help with all the niceness and the pictures and the photos and everything. But like, honestly, that is not necessary. And that's not what you should do at the beginning anyways. You should just start and make it look nice and comforting, and that's it. That's all you need. Yeah, all the rest of that stuff is distractions that your brain is throwing at you, saying like, oh, I can't treat patients unless this place looks like it's straight out of a magazine. It's like, well, that's that's just not how business usually works early on. Misconception number four, this is a big one. This is one where we're overly optimistic. Well, I'm the only public PT in my town, so all of my patients will follow me. And all of the doctors that I built these relationships are going to continue to refer all of their people to me because they love me. And I'm so amazing. And you might be the most amazing therapist ever, but I would, you are not that special, right? I'm here to break it down for you. You are not that special. I wasn't that special when I started my own clinic. Your clinic that you're currently working at right now is not going to fall apart when you leave, it just will not. Things are going to keep on rolling, right? That was one of the big misconceptions that I had. Oh my gosh, if I leave, you know, my person is just, the, my old boss is just going to die and then her business is going to go under because I'm so important. Guess what? She's still kicking, right? So I want you to think about your plan for success and your business model and all the things as if nobody will follow you because the shocking thing that happens a lot of times is that people are creatures of habit and it is really hard for people to change. And even if you might be thinking, well, I know, but, but <laughs> yeah, but, 
this person told me and everybody says like, if you ever leave, I'm going to follow you. Guess what? I had all of those people doing that to me too. And guess how many people followed me? 12 to 15 maximum and not even all right at the time when I started pelvic sanity. And that is crazy successful. I feel like I actually haven't even heard of anybody else having that many people follow them. And I was seeing a shit ton of patients at my other clinic. Hundreds, right? Out of a, out of a census of hundreds. And this is, it's, I think something that is really deceiving about and kind of sometimes suckers people in who really don't have a desire truly to start their own business. But they just sit there and say, man, all of my patients love me and I'm seeing all of these different patients. And if I only saw 10 of them for myself and got to keep all of the money, then I would be rolling in the dough. And my boss is making so much money off of me and, you know, all of the things that you're thinking, which usually you kind of have to think a little bit because you got to get up enough oomph to actually start and quit and do your own thing. But that you are not that special. And patients may follow you, but that's, and even if in the most successful way you got a bolus of people that went to you instead of where you used to work, that doesn't mean that they're going to stay and that you still have to get a whole bunch of new patients to come in to continue seeing that. And that's the kind of stuff that you don't see when you are an employee. You do not see all of the effort in the marketing and getting patients to call and that not all of those convert into patients, and that all of that stuff, you don't see that. So just because you see a lot of evaluations on your schedule at your current location means that your boss is doing a shit ton of work, and that's the work that you're going to have to do to keep that flowing. Yes, doctors are not going to continue referring to you, especially if you change positions, especially if you change you know, going from insurance base to a not insurance base. We've had a lot of people run into that sad realization of people, they've physicians they've had relationships with for decades. And they think that they're friends. They have their personal cell phone. They go out together. All of a sudden, it starts drying up when you're not part of their system. The other thing I wanted to say with that bolus part, Nicole, sometimes that's actually like the cruelest trick that we get played is we see people who do get a little bit of a bolus. And some patients do follow them. And, you know, hey, you start off that first week and you've got six patients on your schedule. And now you're really busy trying to fulfill that and move those people around. And you think that you're doing well. And then those patients start to fall off or get discharged. And you haven't had to actually make the infrastructure to go out and get new patients. Sometimes that's the biggest challenge is people think that things are going really great for those first three months. And then they really hit a wall where they have been almost this this like fool's gold of these patients who follow you. Sometimes I think it's almost worse if there are people who do follow you because it's not forcing you to go out and do the things in the community you need to be doing to start marketing, bringing people in the door. You just think it's going to be easy with these people who followed you in. And now all of a sudden you're three, four, six months into your business and having to basically start over because you didn't know that you had to be going out and getting new patients. Well, and everyone's super excited at the beginning, right? So are you. So are your patients. And then they'll tell a friend and then that friend will call and then you'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get all these word of mouth referrals, right? And then again, three to four months in, it stops, right? Because it's a shit ton of work <laughs> to continue. Let's go back to number one. It's starting is more simple than you think, but it is the most challenging thing you'll ever do. Right. And number five, starting a business is risky. I think this is one that holds a lot of people back, Nicole. Starting a business is risky, I think, is the one of the single biggest misconceptions that we have. Well, and I think that thinking that it's risky makes 
you do things like in number two, right? Thinking that you have to take insurance in order to be successful when you don't know shit about how that actually works on the back end. You know, I think that just because I mean, that there is some risk involved, right? There's some risk involved. This goes back to what we talked about, right? Is it scary or is it dangerous? Because what really happens if you start a business, right? As long as you don't do any of the really dumb stuff where you waste, you know, $10,000 on a website, right? You start it up. It's low cost. Let's go through it. Play the what if game. What's the worst that happens? You start it up. You tell your family you're doing this thing and you fall on your face. Nobody calls. Nobody comes in the door. What happens? You go back to working at the same place you worked or you find the competitor place around the the corner. Like one of the nice things about being in the health field, there's always going to be a job available for you. Starting a business is risky to your ego. Right. (laughs) It's That's like one of the biggest things that it risks is your ego, right? You think you're so great. You think everyone's going to follow you. You think I'm like the hot shit at my clinic that uh, nobody else would be able to do this without me here. And then you, you start and it's like crickets. So it's risky to your ego, but it's not inherently risky as long as you don't make some of the dumb mistakes about like paying out of pocket for the best high-low table ever and SEO, this and that thing, and $10,000 for a website and all that kind of stuff, right? It doesn't have to be that risky. So, and a lot of times when it's risky, our brain starts putting up, or when we think it's going to be, our brain starts putting up these things. I think that's where we get the question of oh my gosh, could this ever work in my town, right? We get, this is probably the single biggest question that we get all the time. And it's it's a real challenge to continue to answer it nicely because I do know how <laughs> challenging it is, right? It it's is. a scary moment and we forget and we've been in it for a long time. But man, when you've heard this question 500 times, I'm not sure a cash practice is going to work in my town because, and I was like, oh gosh, you stop there. Let me list the reasons you're about to tell me. Nobody in my town does cash. Nobody really gets it. My town is too big. My town is too small. My town has too many public floor physical therapists. My town doesn't have any public floor physical therapists. I live in a really rural area. I live in a really urban area. I live in a poor socioeconomic area. I live in a really high socioeconomic area. And I'm really worried that people are going to be going things like Imcella chair and not going to go see me, right? All of these different excuses. The brain is an amazing machine. If you ask it to tell you all the reasons that your business will fail, it will come up with a lot of them. Yeah, man. It will come up with a lot of them. And that's why we also have to go back and say, well, what are the reasons that this business is going to succeed? The brain can also come up with a lot of them, right? You've been a rock star at your old place. Like This is, I think, when we have this misconception that this is so risky and so dangerous... The brain starts to generate those different risks for us instead of actually stepping back and saying like, wait a second, and this is something that other people have done in every market across this entire country. And I think one of the things about this as we get into this, you know, this is business risky, right? It is going to feel that way. It does take bravery to step out and do this. And one of the things that we get back to that is the bravery comes when you have a reason to do it. Right? If this is feeling really risky to you, ask yourself, why am I trying to start this business? Why do I care so much? And if it's just because it seems like a cool thing to do, or you think you can make a lot of easy money at it, or everyone else is kind of doing it, it's going to feel really risky because it is, because you don't have a goal on the other side of that risk. Nobody is brave and courageous just because. Right? Nobody wants to just take risks just because there has to be a reason for it. So if that's you and you're sitting there and saying, man, this is so risky, start asking yourself, well, why do I want to do this thing? 
the other thing is if you can start to compare yourself to other people and you start to say like, well, they did it. So can I, it's like, well, that might be true, but that's not going to get you. You know, the fact that Amber down the road did also is doing a cash-based practice. That's not going to get you through the tough times, right? You have to understand why you're doing it and be able to fall back on that. And so with that, one of the resources we created for those of you guys who are in this wannabe phase, whether you're planning on starting soon, whether it's way down the road, one of the things that we just see is that it's all of these different misconceptions. And then we either just dive in and kind of flail around blindly, or we sit on the sidelines for years. Sometimes we'll get applications for help and it's like, oh man, I Jesse, I really, Nicole, I want to start this practice and I think I might be able to do it by 2026. <laughs> Yeah. Or you guys get stuck in the side hustle phase where you do it and you're mildly successful at three ish patients, which is kind of cool for a side hustle. And you think that you might want to be able to expand that, but then it's like, can you really do it? So we get inquiries about that as well. And, but then all of these misconceptions start to come in and creep in and either like, like Jesse said, either delay you from doing it till forever or, like have you jump in too soon and then flail around. And and go in wrong directions, right? Oh, I have to start mobile because I don't want to pay anything because I think this is so risky, so I don't want to rent a space. Well, is your vision to treat people with a mobile practice? If not, then aren't we just wasting time by telling everybody we're doing mobile to start and then knowing we're going to have to pivot out of that? Like those are the things. And so we put together for you guys our business practice plan course. It's $197, 200 bucks. But this is where we want to walk you through each of these questions, how to plan your business, how to set your vision, to think about these questions before you dive in. And so you can embark on where you're going with confidence. We're going to talk about your financial runway, because one of the things that makes us really uneasy is not understanding our finances. What does this business have to be doing for me long term? How long could I go in this startup phase before I'm really bringing in revenue? What do I actually need to be bringing in? And you're going to end that with a two-page complete practice plan that goes through all of these different areas, knowing what kind of business to start, knowing whether you should do mobile or rent a room or rent your own space, knowing all whether you should take insurance, whether you should be hybrid, whether you should be cash. And then you also have a complete startup checklist. I think it's 50 different things that you need to be doing as you're going. Like we said, it is simpler than you think, but there's still a lot to be done. And a lot of times we start going down rabbit holes on each one of those things, taking hours and hours researching. So we put together a complete startup checklist for you guys there. So if that's something that you are thinking about doing, if it's even a glimmer in your mind, like this is something I might want to do, but I'm not sure, I don't know, this is a great place to start. Because at the end of this, hopefully you'll either have this vision in your mind that becomes that goal, that becomes the reason that you can power through, that you can work the late nights, that you can be brave and deal with all those risks, or you're going to look at it and realize that you don't have a true vision. For a practice, you just kind of got seduced by, oh, it seems cool on social media when all of these people are telling me to start a business so that they can sell me Facebook ads, <laughs> ideas like that. And then you realize like, hey, this is not where I want to be going, right? You want to be walking into this with understanding your business and being able to truly embark on that with confidence, without wasted time, without wasted money, without wasted motion, but going toward what that goal is for you guys. So that's what our best resources for those of you guys in the wannabe phase, you can find that at pelvicptrising.com slash plan. And I'll put that in the show notes, but it's pelvicptrising.com slash plan. 
And we really want to break through some of these misconceptions that are slowing us down or holding us back from doing what it is that you really want to be doing. All right. So you want to summarize, what are the five misconceptions that we listed off? Perfect. One, it's really hard to start a business. It's not. It's really hard to keep a successful business going. Two is you have to take insurance. Three is you need a loan, a lot of startup money or expensive lawyers, consultants, web designers, SEO experts, or anybody else in order to start your business. Four is that patients will follow you and doctors will continue to refer to you when you do your own thing. And five is that starting a business is risky. So for you guys who are in that wannabe phase, those are our top five misconceptions for you guys. And I think it's interesting. Some of them actually push you to start a business. Some of them hold you back from doing it. But we want to be seeing this with clear eyes as we go forward and start doing what's honestly going to be a huge decision in your life if you decide to make this thing happen. Yeah, man. And I think the other thing that the business practice plan helps with is shortening the timeline, which can be a little bit scary, right? Because the people that are like, oh, I'm going to start this in five years. I think that's going to be great. It's like sometimes we need to the business practice plan. It's like, oh, you take away all of these misconceptions. You take away all of your brain's protective thing about doing it. And it's like, yeah, you can start now. It could be 2023 could be your year. So that is the dangerous thing, right? So be warned. If you do do that, you might end up freaking excited about where this is going to be and where you're going to go and in the process of creating something for yourself. So if you want to continue on that 10 year timeline, (laughs) don't take the course, (laughs) don't take the course. Seriously, guys, don't do it because you are going to end it up fired up and excited and really being clear on the direction you need to go in order to start. Yeah, so the steps that you need to do to start, which are kind of a lot. Yes. So if that is you guys, make sure to check that out. That's business practice plan. That is publicptrising.com slash plan. But if you have questions about this, if you have want to reach out, if you want to ask me one more time, if cash-based practice will work in your town, you're welcome to send an email. Send it on in to Nicole at publicsanity.com. <laughs> I'll make sure he's nice when he answers. But in large and short, too long, don't read. The answer is going to be yes, guys. So as always, please reach out with questions, comments, concerns. If there's any other misconceptions you've run into, and we always want to keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise. Rise.